Those were scenes from New Zealand, where the campaigner for women's rights, Kelly J. Keane Minchel, was assaulted and terrorised while trying to exercise the human right of free speech. The scenes of chaos and violence were from the radical wokedivists, who feel entitled to destroy the free speech of anyone they disagree with. That was not a demonstration of free speech in action. That, and the scenes like it in Melbourne and Tasmania, are an illustration of the destruction of free speech and the murder of civil debate. If so-called counter-protesters wanted to exercise their free speech, they would mount the most articulate and well-attended demonstration an hour later, or a kilometre away. But their intent is patently not to just make themselves heard, but to stop others from being heard. The destruction of free speech. In my opinion, such counter-protests, with disruption of free speech as their purpose or effect, should be criminalised. If sufficient laws exist to protect the free speech of right-thinking people, then they should be used. Instead, attending police fail to protect the innocent and uphold the peace, ushering national socialists into buffer zones, or failing to use every means at their disposal to control rabid mobs of rioting leftists. They showed no such reluctance at anti-lockdown protests, so we know for a fact their excuses and rationalisations of inaction ring hollow. Where the intent or effect of a protest is to diminish or destroy the exercise of free speech by another human being, it is the duty of even a small government to protect the integrity of democracy, which is essentially founded upon freedom to think and speak. Democracy itself is at stake. You are watching The Church and State Show, and my name is Dave Pello. May all that you stand for, and that we stand for, be preserved under the providence of God for the happiness of mankind. The trouble is caused by unthinking people who carelessly throw away ageless ideals as if they were old and outworn machines. But it is the values of individual liberty, equality before the law, and the supremacy of people over the state to which we can always with confidence return as a powerful and uniting force. Australia is not a secular country. It is a free country. Coming up in the show, I'll be joined by Senator Malcolm Roberts, and I'll be asking him about the facts being denied and suppressed by woke thugs, as well as discussing the extent to which those counter-protesters should be free to suppress the free speech of others. But first, I believe free speech absolutists are simply wrong. There is no absolute right to free speech. The natural limits on free speech exist in the interest of making society stronger, debate healthy, and disagreement civilised. The type of violent counter-protests being experienced by women like Moira Deeming, Catherine Deves, and Kelly J. Keane Minchel here and in New Zealand are not uplifting exercises in democracy, but they are deliberate strategies to silence debate and end the exercise of free speech. G.K. Chesterton wrote, 
There is a thought that stops thought. That is the only thought that ought to be stopped. We want people to think. We don't want anyone stopping other people thinking. We want people to speak freely, even if they disagree with us. We don't want anyone stopping other people speaking freely. What Chesterton explained is that the right to think, to form convictions and then communicate them publicly is critical to the existence of free speech, democracy and our society as we know it. But pretending that the thug's veto is naturally equal to free speech is destructive to free speech. It breeds fear of violent reprisals and physical, financial or reputational damage for merely expressing differences with people willing to behave more barbarically than anyone else. The people most likely to engage in destructive, free, in destructive speech are those with the worst ideas, people without sufficient evidence or logic to win debates in any legitimate way, like so many radical leftists. Australia, New Zealand and much of the West has a religious zeal with which it punishes unapproved ideas, not because they're naturally destructive to freedom to think and speak, which is good for democracy, but no other reason than because it may hurt the feelings of some arbitrarily selected minority groups. Criticise the high priests of the sexual and gender cults, and suddenly truth doesn't matter, and healthy debate doesn't matter, because Western wokeivists have effectively created a set of de facto blasphemy laws. Take, for example, the successive cowardly leaders of the Victorian Liberal Party. Bernie Finn, MP, was expelled from the Liberal Party by former party leader Matthew Guy because Bernie dared to criticise the holy sacrament of feminism, abortion. Zero freedom of speech in a so-called Liberal Party. And his successor, John Pesuto, in a disgraceful display of misogyny, weakly caved in to an agenda set by wokeivists who demanded that Moira Deeming MP, who was popularly elected to take Bernie Finn's place, be expelled as well. Pseudo took the side of these people. <laughs> Those are the faces of theocracy in Australia, who Pseudo rushed to please in his failed attempt to expel a strong and articulate woman from his pathetic party in Victoria. Every time they use the phrase hate speech, they really mean blasphemy and behave like possessed people because someone dared to disagree with their evil ideas. But there was no blasphemy. There was zero association with or approval of National Socialism. Moira Deeming and her fellow organisers and speakers did nothing more than demand the voices of women be heard in their pleas for the eminently sensible policy of single-sex spaces and sports. A male in a pretty frock doesn't suddenly erase the very good reasons for having separate male and female toilets in the first place. And strong-minded women like Moira Deeming do not deserve to be burned at the stake in ridiculously absurd woke inquisitions 
such as John Pesuto organized. We have found the witch, may we burn her? Burn She is a witch. She looks like one. I'm not a witch. I'm not a witch. But you are dressed as one. They dressed me up like this. Um, she hasn't done anything to deserve even suspension from the party room, let alone expulsion. Did you dress her up like this? No! 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 no, no, no. no. Yes, 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 yes. Yeah, a bit. Yeah. A bit. A bit. She has got a wart. And if it's impossible for a Liberal to defend women's rights to their own safe spaces and uh, to fair sport, well, at least in Victoria, the Liberal Party is really in a lot more trouble than I thought. I am a strong supporter of free speech, but free speech doesn't include hate speech. Hate speech is a leftist euphemism for blasphemy laws, and John Pesuto is a strong supporter of blasphemy laws. He is therefore not a strong supporter of free speech, not liberalism, not the women in his party, and certainly not the mothers in his state who don't want males of any age in their or their daughters' public restrooms or sporting codes. Because of the thug's veto enabled by weak politicians on both sides, even elected senators couldn't be assured of their safety at a free speech protest on the lawns of the nation's parliament house. It's a preposterous notion that anyone has a right to counter-protest, no matter the harms done to the right to protest, let alone protesters. The quality of debate has been reduced to might makes right, while police just watch. Women in Australia are effectively denied the natural law right to publicly ask for single-sex sports and spaces for themselves and their daughters. Even the mice, moderates and misogynists leading the Liberal Party sought to punish an elected, conservative, Christian woman for blaspheming the religious cult of sexual and gender hedonism one too many times. It seems abundantly obvious there are big government restrictions to free speech in Australia, and equally obvious what the result is to the quality of debate and the fabric of society. Far better there were small government restrictions on the present threats to the freedom of speech so that all sides of important public issues can be well articulated, examined and challenged by anyone. Until Liberal Party leaders start standing up to woke mobs instead of apologising for nothing and panicking at empty accusations of political blasphemy, there is no hope for free speech or civil debate in Australia. Malcolm Roberts is a senator for Queensland, and he was present in Canberra at the Let Women Speak protest, where women from both sides of the aisle spoke against the harmful consequences of radical transgender ideology. He is my guest on this episode of The Church and State Show. Malcolm, thank you so much for coming on The Church and State Show. Well, thank you very much for the invitation, Dave. It's always a pleasure because, because you challenge people, and, and I love being challenged. And likewise, you too. I, I love the questions you, um, I think everybody who follows your social media loves the way you share the challenges you put um, before the Senate inquiry committees that you're on. Um, I love it too. And, and ask them <laughs> for it. Like it's, uh, one of the good things, I think, about the advent of social media has been the increased visibility of how the sausage is made. Mm -hmm. 
So you were on the lawns. I think uh, you and Senator Hanson were watching as the Let Women Speak protest um, happened on the lawns of Parliament House. With Correct. Kelly J. King. Yes, yeah. yes, we were right beside her. We went, went down there just a little bit before it started. Um, and, and then we were there for the whole time she spoke. And uh, some senators actually cancelled their intentions of attending because of fears for their security, which seems to me to be a, a perfect example of why counter-protests should be severely regulated if there is any possible effect of 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 such uh, such an effect. It, it, clearly, if a senator fears for their ability to go to a speech because of counter-protesters, those counter-protesters are effectively extinguishing the freedom of free speech. Well, one politician who stood for election uh, but didn't get into parliament and another currently in parliament uh, did not attend to support Kelly, Kelly J because the Australian Federal Police refused to guarantee their safety. Okay, So I think it's up to the police force, not any counter-protests. Counter so the counter-protests were there and, and I watched them try and intimidate. When, when, we, when Kelly J started, the counter-protesters were about 25, 30 metres away. By the, by the time she finished speaking, they were 10 metres away. And they were much better organised than Kelly J's women who want to speak. Um, they had, I'm guessing, probably a few hundred people there mm. and they were trying to disturb Kelly J and whenever she spoke they, they tried to drown her out. Um, so clearly they were showing forms of control. So I'm not, I don't agree with you straight away that we need to have the banning of counter-protest, but we need, to do, we need to make sure that they obey the law if they do have a counter-protest because the Australian Federal Police did a bloody good job of, of uh, keeping them separate. And they, they, um, they didn't use undue force, but they kept them separate. And when they started encroaching, encroaching towards us, they, the federal police intervened and kept them back. So I think it's really the, the police force at the moment. If the laws are adequate, then I don't think police are doing a good job because we, we, we see in countless jurisdictions, in fact, I would struggle to name a jurisdiction where they're doing a good job of protecting the rights of free speech uh, for people who are conservative. Um, <laughs> There's definitely one law for, for conservatives and another law for uh, regressives. And, and that's really where I come up with this thesis that we have de facto blasphemy laws. If you have unapproved opinions, um, then you are liable to being burnt at the stake, metaphorically. Um, we saw that probably most in New Zealand, where Kelly J. Keane couldn't even speak. Uh, where she was essentially forced to flee the country without speaking because of the toxicity of the regressive leftists, uh, the radical ferals who are anti-democracy, anti-free speech. And, and so they, they wear this cloak of free speech to destroy free speech. But we also saw it in Victoria with Victorian police ushering through these national socialists Pre uh, pretend Nazis. I'm not going, not so sure that they were Nazis themselves, but they were pretend Nazis, holding hands together. And all. Well, well, that's and that's a, a very fair question. Is what their real identity was? Um, because they, uh, anyway, that aside, the police ushered them through, mm -hmm. and it had the very direct effect of not just 
uh, curbing and chilling and suppressing the free speech during that protest, but it had the very real effect of being damaging to the character, reputation yep. and career and of Moy Redeeming. And, and I, I know some people who think it was absolutely deliberate by the police in, in Victoria. They staged the Nazis. Highly so, credible. So um, that was used to discredit. Mm. And, and there's no doubt that they were part of the regressives, not, not part of the conservatives. Yeah. Um, and, and that was a deliberate ploy to discredit. Uh, and you'll notice straight away there's a third party in the middle there that did most of the damage, and that was the media. The media did its damage, the legacy media. And her political party leader. Yes. The way he cooperated with this leftist, toxic Isn't it called narrative. It was cowardly, it was misogynistic, and it was definitively illiberal. The way Prosciutto, or whatever his name is... Pesuto, yeah. Pesuto... Um, I mean, what a ham. He was just absolutely playing into the hands of the National Socialists and the regressive leftists He's an and the lying harlot media. He was an accomplice, cowardice, misogynist who blamed her yes. for the actions of anonymous, masked, cowardly men. He gave wind to the, the fake Nazis that were there. And, and enabled the press to make even more of it, the, the, um, the mouthpiece media to make even more of it. And then we saw the Labor Party and the Greens jump on the back of that, those lies, that they, and they peddled them in Parliament against, uh, against the Liberal Party. Oh, I'm no, no friends with the Liberal Party, but, I mean, it was just plain wrong. Yes. But the Liberals, you're absolutely correct. It, it's the, the Liberal Party that, that put the icing on the cake. And, and so my point in, in saying um, that, that there needs to be regulation of counter-protest is to say that the effect of most counter-protest is anti-free speech. It's destructive to debate. It's de destructive it's control. to civility. It's, it's control and suppression. It, it absolutely is. It, it's toxic and, it, and it's... So I, I disagree with conservatives who describe themselves as absolute... But, or, or libertarians who describe themselves as absolute free speech, is speech people. I think there needs to be sensible limits... Uh, when it's observable that the effect is the well, surely the laws are already there. Free speech. The laws are already there, though, Dave. Because if a conservative group has a has a um, a permit to have a protest, um, then will a regressive group get a permit at the same venue? They shouldn't. I agree. So if they haven't got a permit, why are the regressives there? Exactly. Why aren't they Why aren't they moved on? And if they so do have a permit, a who approved it, and b. Uh, if they approved it with sensible limits like a, a 100 metre buffer zone yeah. or, or chronological And distance, then enforce the buffer zone. Then they need to enforce that. So the real issue here is the, uh, the politicians that are endorsing the violation of laws that the police should be enforcing. And, and it may be that the, the rank and file of police forces are merely following the the commands of their political ranks are high up, the police commissioner and the police minister. Um, but I, I don't think it can be said that the police are doing a good force of promoting, uh, a good job of promoting uh, free speech and protecting the rights of free speech that exist. If those laws are already police, there, they're police, not being enforced. Police are public servants, and we've seen Senate estimates that public servants uh, don't necessarily obey the law, don't necessarily tell the truth. 
they are they are slaves to their masters, their political masters. Yeah. And sometimes they're senior bureaucratic masters. And we saw police in Victoria firing within the last couple of years upon citizens of Victoria who were engaged in a, in a, in a peaceful protest. Horrendous. Yeah. So, so that shows you how, how, how far the deterioration has been in Victoria and the political atmosphere. Mm. And when you get Pesuto calling on uh, Moira Deeming to resign... Or, d- d- prior, her, or firing, promising to sack her, yeah. Yeah, I mean, that, that, that's absurd. She did nothing wrong. She was upholding the fundamental tenet of our, our civilisation, and that is the right of a mother to protect their children. That's what this is all about, right of mothers to protect their children. And the other thing this is all about, it's not about um, gender dysphoria. It's about the control of people, and it's about getting big pharma onto a huge, big bandwagon for, for young children to pay mm. for, um, what do they call it, hormonal treatment? Hormone blockers. Hormone uh, blockers. Puberty blockers. Puberty blockers, thank you. Mm. And, and th- once they're on them, they're on that treatment for life once they change their sex. So that's what it's really about. It's about creating an, a, creating an epidemic of gender dysphoria, which leads to uh, dependence on pharmaceuticals for the rest of their lives. So let's get into this topic, because this is uh, really one of the things I wanted to hear from you a lot about yeah. today. Uh, we've, we've seen Moira Deeming and Catherine Deves and Kelly J. Keane Mitchell uh, all be um, suppressed and attacked, persecuted and, and terrorised uh, because they have uh, an unapproved opinion. Um, Behaviour that is unconscionable if it was directed uh, or, or conducted by a conservative. But because it's directed at a conservative, at a traditional view of biology uh, and um, single-sex spaces, that that somehow they are guilty of some kind of blasphemy because they've disagreed with this um, this <laughs> this cultural Marxist dogma. It's a cult, uh, and and they have been essentially found guilty of blasphemy and therefore they're terrible people. Um, and of course, I'm using a metaphor, the blasphemy isn't, isn't a real law, it, it's basically saying you can be mean to people as long as they don't belong to a protected identity group. Right, and that, that's something you're very, very um, strong on. Uh, we, we have two laws. We have laws for people who want to speak up freely and laws for people who want to be part of a protected species, a, a protected minority group. I think that's really important to say. Yeah. But Really, it goes deeper than that. The fundamental thing that these women wanted to talk about, and, and it's let women speak, is the, is the movement. Kelly J. Kelly J. King. And, and look, on the name of that, not a single journalist referred to it that upfront. No. They all called it anti-trans rallies. Yeah. Which, like, wh- why can't they speak for the, themselves? The, the, the journalists are just doing what the mouthpiece media has been doing for, for decades now, just yeah. parroting... It was false, it was dishonest, it was propaganda. They weren't anti-trans, they were anti-toxic ideas. They were pro-woman, pro-freedom of speech for women. They weren't anti-individual people, which is what they mean when they say anti-trans or anti-trans rights. No, they're against these toxic ideas. There is nothing more important for a mother to do than protect her kids. Nothing more important. Mm. Kelly J. Keane, we, I invited her up to my uh, Senate office after, the, after, the, after she finished. And she came up and I invited Pauline over and we, we sat in my office with my staff. We all had a, a good chat. And there were six or seven of us all, in, all up in the room. 
We had a wonderful chat. Kelly J. Kelly uh, J. Keane was a lefty. She described herself as that, and and she said she was doing all of this nonsense. Mm. And then her, she's got two boys, two or three boys, and an eleven-year-old daughter at the time. The daughter had to go into a toilet or a change facility, and there was a man there with a penis pretending to be a woman. Wow. And she said, right, that's not on. So the issue really is about safety and health yes. of, of young girls, uh, safety and in terms of the protest, safety and the right to speak in terms of mothers. There is no more beautiful uh, part of the human species than to see mother. That, that, I agree. That, that, that the job they're doing is phenomenal, and men, men have to be part of it. And here's the, here's the problem we have with it. Um, it's in Christian language... Motherhood is literally sacred. Yes, well said. Very it's, well it's said. It's literally, and and so this this attack on womanhood and the identity of women is literally profanity. Yes, and it's an attack on humanity as well. Mm. It's profanity, and it's an, an attack on humanity, and and that's why we need to stand up to it. And that's why when, when we when we saw the the what happened in Brisbane and especially in Hobart and and Melbourne. There was no way I wasn't going down to, to, to meet Kelly J. Keane and yeah, to stand good. beside her. Good um, on you. And, and that was, that was very, very important. Um, and then it was very important to support her. So. Can I ask, if, uh, if they're publishable, what, your, what, what thoughts were going on in your head by the time Senator Thorpe was on the ground fleeing police <laughs> on her hands and knees? I think it showed on my face, didn't it? I was caught in the media because I, I was looking down at her on the ground. Um, I feel for Lydia. She's, she's a lost woman. She's completely lost. Uh, she's caught up in her own show. Uh, she seeks publicity. I've seen her in the Senate. Um, it's really it's not a pretty sight. And I'm not talking about her appearance. I'm talking about her behaviour. Dignity. Uh, she, her dignity, but also her... Um, yeah, her, she's lost. She's lost completely. And, and so I don't think she's ever been listened to or ever heard. She's, she's got to make this statement, always seeking attention. That shows a, a vacuousness about her. Yeah. So I have compassion for her. I, I, I really do. Um, there was some disgust with her behaviour because here she was trying to shut down someone who had a different view. Yeah. And, and that's ultimately the intent, obviously. Well, the Greens are the most destructive... As well as the effect. I've said this repeatedly. The Greens are the most destructive political force in this country. Lydia Thorpe was a Green. She's now independent. Even the Greens are... Uh... She was too radical for the Greens. <laughs> yeah, but, but who went down to visit the protesters, the, the counter-protesters? Adam Ban. He went down to make hay out of it. I mean, these people are shutting down freedom of speech. But that's exactly what the Greens do. The Greens do not want freedom of speech. They try to drown people who have a different view to theirs. They yeah. drown out their voice. So it's entirely, it's in, it's entirely um, in, in conjunction with what the Greens are doing. It's, it's uniform with what the Greens have always done. The Greens are destructive. Is there any hard science which you've seen which would support the, the current trend or orthodoxy in treating gender dysphoria, such as puberty blockers, uh, disfiguring surgery, uh, changing pronouns, changing names, changing clothes, uh, chest binding, penis tucking, all of these things 
I, I think a, a reasonable person wouldn't do to their children. No, I think there are, there are two aspects to gender dysphoria. One is for children and the other is for adults. And when I'm talking about adults, we know from Maria Montessori's work and many other people, that people aren't really mature uh, physiologically, uh, mentally, until about 25. Mm -hmm. But our law says that essentially after 18, it's your body, do what you want. But until then, the, the mother and father, the parents are responsible for that child. And it's up to the parents to do uh, what they believe to be correct. Now the science, there's no science that supports gender changing, uh, mutilation, puberty blockers, hormonal treatments. There is no science that says that's the best way to go. The, the science says the reverse in fact, because the science now shows that people who have gone through this, these, these changes at an early stage are now very, very much regretting it. That's the overwhelming majority. Yeah. We're now seeing that it's not a political reality, it's a, it's a a community reality. The Tavistock Clinic is being shut down. We see Finland, France, uh, Norway, or one, another country all, all starting to re reverse this trend and saying you cannot change your gender when you're young. But regardless, we're now seeing in Victoria laws that say that if you're a father or a mother and you counsel your child against changing sex, then it, you... Even just the weight counsel. Counseling, that's mm. it, just mm. counseling. Uh, or if you're, a, if you're a, a doctor or a therapist and you counsel against it, then you can go to jail. It's inherently anti-science, isn't it, to tell a doctor what therapies they're not allowed to offer. Uh, it, it is, and, and, and also it interferes with the rights of, of parents. Mm. So there is no evidence that shows these changes are necessary at an early age. In fact, the, the science shows that the brain is as of an adolescent is going through significant changes in, in adolescence. Mm. And so we start interfering with that. The science shows that that has dramatic effects on that person's life from, from then on. We know, you don't need science to tell you this, but when you cut off someone's penis or cut off someone's breast, then they have a, um, an impaired sexual function for the rest of their life. That causes trauma. We know of that, course. We know yeah. that gender dysphoria is is on a... It's on a epidemic levels at the moment because of social media and peer pressure and because they're, they're being taught this rubbish in schools. The mm. real issue here is stopping the teaching of this nonsense in schools, stopping the teaching of this nonsense uh, until at least after 18 and then people can have a, a fair go. Well, I would like to see it after 25. But um, that's the real issue. We're indoctrinating children to think that they can select their gender when all when all that's really going on is people feel adolescents feel uncomfortable about being in their body, like many adolescents at that stage, as they, when their brains are transitioning, their bodies are transitioning, it's certainly not not right at all. Are puberty blockers or any kind of surgeries being offered to minors in Australia? I understand they are they are being offered, and the government is even paying for them. Now the government denies that, but that's my understanding that 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 is the case. It's happening in this country. Is it so? The government is is mutilating children, mutilating future adults. I think the reality is that even if those physical damages aren't being done to minors yet, um, the reality is that the emotional, social, psychological, spiritual damage being done to minors by telling tomboys they're really boys, or yep. or telling gentle boys they're really girls, uh, you know, and and the normal cross-up and dressing, but 
the, the damage psychologically and emotionally by telling a little girl, yes, you really are a boy, when she exhibits any kind of confusion, I, I think that is unmitigated, torturous harm. It, it's, it's child endangerment at its highest level. It's inhuman. There's nothing more that I can add to what you just said, that you said it so well. Uh, we, we've seen for a long time that uh, people who are ex-gay uh, face more vilification and hostility and hate um, from those activists in the rainbow people um, than they ever did from general society. Yes. Uh, I think there's a really great risk that those same, uh, the same phenomenon is at play in the gender theory um, community, in the gender activists. I think uh, you've called it gender nihilism, uh, mm -hmm. which is, is a really apt term. Uh, nihilism means nothingness, emptiness, vacuum, um, philosophical Devoid meaninglessness. Devoid of spirit. Devoid. Um, and, and so this, um, the growing community of ex-trans people. Um, talk about that for a little bit. Well, that, that is definitely that definitely what's happening, Dave. Um, and people don't want, to sh don't want to discuss that. Janet Rice, Senator Janet Rice from Victoria, doesn't want to discuss things like that because um, it would completely destroy the foundation of her argument. She's, she's one who's been... The moment Pauline or I speak in the Senate against this, um, against this transitioning of... of of children, of minors, she jumps up and she calls us names. She has got no argument against it. So and the, when you the sad it, thing here, forgive me for interrupting you, the sad thing here that I want to draw attention to is that you are telling other people's stories. Yes. And so what she is doing is vilifying, marginalising, and, and to use the regressive language, erasing those people. Correct. And that is hateful in reality. Well, the Greens don't want to engage in the science. They say they can rely on the science, but they never present it. When they go into a debate, it's like this. Absolutely. If they go into a debate, they'd rather yell at, yell at us from across the chamber than, than, uh, than actually engage in a proper debate. What her body language, posture and behaviour is screaming, uh, like some caricature from a first century theocracy, is blasphemy. Yes, you're absolutely correct. Your opening comments. Um, they're afraid of what's going on and they're trying to suppress it. They, they are terrified mm. when someone who detransitions comes out because it destroys their argument. And, and the it Greens does. do not like argument. The no. Greens do not like debate. They do not like a difference of views. They, they try and suppress. The Greens are all about control. That's their modus operandi. Mm -hmm. Adam Bant went down to the, the, the counter-protesters at Parliament House uh, and encouraged them on to, to uh, counter Kelly, Kelly J. Keane. Uh, what, are the, what are the risks and realities of the gender theory debate uh, when it comes to uh, female sporting codes? Well, if we have uh, males... I'm not a, not a good example of a big male, but, but males are bigger than females. They're stronger than females. This is, there's no doubt about this. Elite female sportswomen tell us that. They, they concur. Um, they can never be as fast. They can never be as heavy. And, uh, and so if we have a, a, a 
trans, I, I don't know how to, how to talk about this, a, a man who's claiming to be a woman. What the left call a trans woman in reality is a trans identifying man. Right. And lipstick and handbags do not denote sex, do yep. not denote a gender. What is the point of a woman, an elite athlete, training all her life for a moment in a, in a race or a contest, a sporting contest in the Olympics or the World Finals, and along comes a, uh, comes a mediocre man and beats her? Yeah. That's not fair. But what about the young girl or, or the adolescent girl who gets smashed by, literally, in, in, a, in a contact sport like football, or smashed in terms of a sporting, uh, like non-contact sport like athletics or swimming, what does it do to her when mm. she has put all her very effort into it? It's just not fair. It's just not right. It's exactly not honest. Right. It's not human. I actually, I actually think it's on people like you and me and, and everybody watching to, to fight this and to yes. speak up on behalf of, of female athletes. I, I think that there is another, another category of people there. There are, there are people who are in gender dysphoria. And they need, whether it's, it's adolescents, whether it's minors, whether it's um, adults, they need to have our compassion and our support. I agree completely. You're not saying anything against that, which, no. is, which, which I want to make very clear. Yeah. They need our compassion and our support. Um, the best way of treating, especially adolescents, not, not so much the adults here, but the adolescents, is with a lots of compassion, support and love. That's why Dan Andrews and Victoria, his legislation affirming gender claims by a, a young woman, young girl, are wrong because yep. the parents are excluded and the child needs that love. And the, and the, the adult needs it too, by the way. And the most uncompassionate thing to do to them, whether you're a sporting code or a Christian holiday camp, is to patronise them and affirm their delusions, confusions and dysphoria. Yes. Uh, and it, it came to my attention recently that a, a popular brand of Christian camps in Australia, uh, Christian holiday camps for, for minors, uh, is asking their applicants whether they are male, female or other. And, and their motivation is compassion because they want to include those people in the opportunity for a life-transforming experience with Jesus. But the compassion is false because it, it, it begins an yep. irreversible posture of affirmation of deceit, affirmation of delusion. That is not what that child needs. And if they cannot even fill out the application form without getting triggered and, and protesting with an absence from that camp, then I submit they will never be functional participants in that camp. And worse, right. they're going to demand everybody else around them at that camp or in that sporting code conform and cooperate and collaborate with that confusion. Yes. And that is destructive to the child we are saying we want to be compassionate to, but it's further destructive to everybody in their sphere to have to participate in, in that delusion. And the consequence that we're seeing in real time is an epidemic of that confusion spreading throughout our society. But the quickest way to stop that epi epidemic, Dave, is to stop the teaching of this nonsense in schools. That's right. It, it, we should not even be talking about it until after 18, uh, at least. I, I would prefer after 25, but because that's when the brain has finished maturing. But we but, should be talking about it with the same level of compassion as we do for any other kind of yes. dysphoria. 
because affirmation is never a positive therapy course Correct. for dysphoria. Love, support, counselling, um, guidance, that's what's needed, especially for, for younger people. Well, sadly, that is all we have time for today. Senator Malcolm Roberts, thank you very much for coming on the Church and State Show. Thank you very much for having me. Uh, and I want to compliment you because you are the voice of alternative media, what I call new independent people's media that spreads truth and, and freedom. So yeah. thank you. Thank you. If you would like to watch the extended version of the conversation we had to cut to fit into the, uh, the, the right amount of showtime, uh, then please head to the website, goodsource.news. At that website, goodsource.news, uh, you will see episode 23.3 of The Church and State Show, and uh, that's where this episode will be. And beneath that will be another video with uh, some of the cuts from the floor, uh, which uh, we didn't have time for uh, in, in, the, in the formal show length. And if you'd like to become a supporter, we really need that and appreciate that. We need to grow by at least 10 times uh, with the, the work that we're doing in events and conferences and, and uh, independent media content. Uh, but that's it for me for this episode. My name is Dave Pello. Thank you very much for joining us and we'll see you next week. Today, we need a special kind of courage. Not the kind needed in battle, but a kind which makes us stand up for everything that we know is right, everything that is true and honest. We need the kind of courage that can withstand the subtle corruption of the cynics, so that we can show the world that we are not afraid of the future.